Blog Talk Radio. And here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. Sometimes they are beautiful. Sometimes those pieces of life and those little bit of pearls that you get each day are filled with darkness. And last week on this show, if you were able to listen, we had a very special guest, a spiritual um, healer and practitioner, Pauline Esposito, and we were really diving into how to work with your inner guidance and work with spiritual practices, including meditation, to really enhance your day-to-day life and also to do some, some healing on an energy level. Today we're shifting, and by the way, Pauline can be found at awakeningofthesoul.com, and you can listen to any of our past shows here at Mama's Pearls. We have some amazing guests that we've been had the privilege to, to talk to in the archives at www.blogtalkradio.com. Our Mama's Pearls blog is posted at www.mamaspearls.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at Sintweet, C-Y-N-T-W-E-E-T. So when we were talking about connection with the emotional and spiritual body, it obviously strung into the into this week's show, which is more of a little bit what could be a darker topic, but we're but that we are looking for glimmers of hope, which is what to do when when one part of your body breaks down, what to do when you're facing the inevitable word, the big C word that unfortunately has plagued so many of us in our lives and our loved ones and um and that word, as we all know, is cancer. And, you know, I've been kind of kind of just a witness to other people who have gone through living with cancer, some who have survived and some who haven't. And what kind of, you know, I always really wanted to talk about it on the Mama's Pearl show, but what really kind of prompted it was a few weeks ago I received an invitation to attend this um, this charity party at the at the New York City's the Plaza Hotel, which, as you know, is just a beautiful and amazing. Um, <laughs> it's almost a, a classic New York institution, and the the tea party was going to be hosted by Kelly Ripa, and it was in support of an organization which she is now a spokesperson for, which is the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund. And Electrolux, as we all know, is a company with sponsoring it. So I received that invitation, and obviously I'm not going to turn down tea with with Kelly Ripa, but um, it was a mother-daughter event, and it was something that, it was one of those days that I always look forward to having when I had my my girl, and I look forward to having sharing other days like that with my son. But it was just so special for me to be able to have tea at the plaza with my girl in in such a, an open and supportive environment to bring awareness. I first came to know the term ovarian cancer, or even to really understand what my ovaries were, when my mom first took me to the gynecologist. I think I was. 
like 16 years old, maybe 15 or 16. And, you know, at that time I started hearing my friends saying that they, 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 oh, my God, they went to the gynecologist for the first time and they found cysts on their ovaries. And it was it was a lot to process back then as a teenager. And it kind of just struck me that um, being a woman, you know, one, entering and having your menstrual cycle and getting first introduced to that, you know, we all know what, well, at least the women listening, we all know what fun that could be, but it's something else of our bodies that really need to be taken care of and maintained and honored and respected. You know, our ovaries are what give us the eggs, which which is what gives us the gift to give the gifts, gifts of life and creation. So in, in tying into last week and looking at that part of ourselves in, you know, in that center of our bodies, which is our, our creation center, and seeing what happens when that really gets attacked and develops this disease. So, um, you know, it's this part in, in honoring just that beautiful invitation to to that tea party that day. But standing there and listening to Kelly Ripa talk about how she lost one of her best friends to ovarian cancer and then put out the glimmer of hope that imagine living in a in a world as we're staring at our daughters where our daughters would never have to even know the term ovarian cancer. I mean, could you imagine? Like and when I when she said that it like popped that beautiful bubble that I had in my head of playing princess with my daughter that day and having tea at the plaza and, oh, my God, ooh la la, how amazing that is, into the real reality of I better enjoy this moment with my daughter because I don't know when I walk back out that door of the plaza what's going to be what's going to be in it for me and what's going to be in it for her. So it brings you, it always brings you back to that center core and that we say at Mama's Pearls all the time is to savor life. And that leads us to the topic of this week's show, which is Tea for Two, and the pearl of the day is a sip of life. Now, when we get a chance while we are living to honor the reservations that we make with our loved ones, to see our loved ones, and to savor the sips of life, we should enjoy it. We should take it, take advantage of it. And luckily, there are people in this world, like our special guests who are going to be on the show today, who can make a difference if our world gets dark, if something happens. And particularly in this case, we're going to be speaking with Audra Moran and um, and Sarah DeFeo of the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund, whose work is really in the service to help improve the quality of lives of people who are people who are affected by ovarian cancer. So without further Without further delay, because I really want to dive in, because I know we have a lot of ground to cover um, in speaking with our guests today and the work that they are doing. But when I met Audra at the at the tea party, I was so struck by how committed to a life of service she is, and you know I just felt that right away from her. She just gives off that vibe. And then when she sent me <laughs> her resume, and I'm reading more about it, it's like oh, my God, this woman is remarkable. This woman really has dedicated herself to a life of service. Not only has she been working as a CEO for the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund, she's also served as the Vice President of Development of Scientific Affairs of NARS, which is the world's largest charity dedicated to mental health research. She basically also worked as a program advisor to the Schizophrenia Research Forum, and she's also worked at the Helen Keller National Center in Sands Point, New York. And aside from that, she's basically committed her work life to service and what most people would do is volunteer. She 
also volunteers. So let Ardra be an inspiration to all of us that we can include a life of service in our careers and making a career out of it, as well as Sarah DeFeo, who is the Director of Scientific Research at the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund. So Sarah and Ardra, are you with us? Yes, we are. We're here. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for having us today. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. I'm really, really so honored to be speaking to both of you, and I would love it if you can both take um, a couple of minutes to tell us a little bit more of your background as well as what you are doing now at the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund. Okay, I'm absolutely happy to. Though, Cynthia, this is Audrey. You did a wonderful job. That, <laughs> my mother, if she were listening, she'd be very proud. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> love thank that. Thank you. I have indeed... Sure. Uh, actually dedicated my, my adult career to nonprofit work. Um, I have a master's degree in rehabilitation counseling. I grew up in Florida and um, went to the University of South Florida there where, where I got my master's degree. It really had a mental health focus, and so I moved to New York shortly after graduate school and, as you know, worked at Helen Keller National Center where I worked with deaf-blind um, youth and adults, actually, and became fluent in sign language and worked there for many, many years until I then uh, changed positions and went to NARSAD, which is the world's largest charity that supports mental health research. And it, it was a very fulfilling career, and it really made me very interested in, neuro- in science in general. We supported neuroscience there, but science and research, I, I discovered quickly, was really the way to go in terms of eradicating some terrible diseases. So when the opportunity to join OCRF, the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund, came last year, I, I couldn't pass it up. I had been at NARSED for 11 years um, and was very, very happy there, but this was just such an opportunity to work with, first of all, science yet again, but also women. And, you know, with a cause that is near and dear to my heart for personal reasons, I have a close friend who was diagnosed with the BRCA1 gene um, fairly recently, which we'll talk more about, but which increased her chances of getting breast cancer and or ovarian cancer greatly. Um, and we can talk about what, you know, people do and when they find this out and what they elect to do. But um, so that had actually just happened in my life. And uh, so this just seemed almost too good to be true, but it gave me a chance to work with science and with a women's charity, and I couldn't pass it up. So that's how I came to be here at OCRF. That's beautiful. It, it's just amazing all the work that you've you've done in your lifetime in service. It's just it's amazing. Most people, like I said, they'll 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 think about volunteering or donating um, time and money on the side of what they're doing, but to really throw yourself into these these causes, which have a direct effect on people's lives, you know, I just think is so so admirable. So thank you for the work that you are doing. Sarah, please, I'm I'm so happy to meet you as well, and please tell me a little bit more about your background. Sure, it's my pleasure. So um, I've been here at OCRF for, I guess, a little over two years. Um, And prior to OCRF, um, well, here at OCRF, my job is the Director of Scientific Affairs. Um, So I work with Audra and the rest of the staff on really managing um, our research grants program, Um, because that's what we do. We fund ovarian cancer research. And um, so I work work with our scientists, um, sort of working on the mechanics of getting them their funding as they're doing their research. But then part of my job is also to help the public understand, I mean, to the extent that I can, understand what's going on in ovarian cancer research and the role that... um, OCRS is playing in the field and how we are and what we're doing and, and how we're trying to make a difference. 
so that's what I do here. Um, and I've been working sort of health and healthcare-related stuff for a while. Before I came to OCRF, I worked up at Columbia University Medical Center, where I worked on a um, physician advocacy fellowship program, which was a program for doctors that trained doctors in health advocacy and health policy work. And I was very privileged there to work with a totally different set of doctors. Like here we work with oncologists. There I worked with a lot more uh, primary care physicians. Um, but they were really folks who, like the physicians I work with now, are really dedicated to improving the lives of patients and also improving our healthcare system in the U.S. Um, that was a wonderful experience. And then I also worked at Mount Sinai Hospital, where I worked in stuff related to um, palliative and end-of-life care, which is, wow. you know, a topic that unfortunately is uh, relevant to a lot of cancer patients as well. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been great, and I've loved working at OCRS. Uh, it's been a nice nice sort of combination and culmination of various professional experiences. I think it's amazing. Can we kind of start at the beginning about, you know, what is ovarian cancer and, you know, we know it affects women, but is there, what are the statistics as far as the age group that's most susceptible? All right. So, this is Sarah talking. Um, so, ovarian cancer is... Um, it's it's a really tough disease. Um, it affects, in the United States, um, about 22,000 women every year are affected by ovarian cancer. Um, worldwide, though, it's that number is over 200,000. Um, oh. So while it's much smaller than a disease like, say, breast cancer, the thing that really is tricky about ovarian cancer is, is that it's, um, it's very hard to treat and it tends to be diagnosed um, not as early as we would like. So it's a, it's a challenging disease. Um, it affects mostly older women, mostly postmenopausal post women, um, but obviously um, all women have ovaries, and we've heard, you know, stories from, you know, teenagers um, also being diagnosed with the disease. But as you get older, um, you know, your, your risk increases. Um, and um, <laughs> so we could talk about, I mean, I don't know if you want to know the symptoms. I mean, unfortunately, right. the symptoms yeah. are so subtle um, that right. oftentimes they're things that women experience every month. Right. Um, so, and that's, yeah, that's one of the things that's, that's hard about ovarian cancer. Um, symptoms of ovarian cancer tend to be stuff like bloating, um, you know, various gastrointestinal problems, um, abdominal pain, frequent urination. And as we all know, as women, these are things that we could have, you know, every day at any time for any reason. <laughs> right. Um, right. And they're every not necessarily something that any of us is going to stop and say, uh-oh, you know, is this a sign of ovarian cancer? And certainly the vast majority of the time it's not a sign of ovarian cancer. Um, right. But we do think that awareness of the symptoms is important. Um if and, they're persistent, right, I think if, is the key. Thank you, yeah. Right. If they're persistent and unusual for you um, and they don't go away and you have no other way to explain them, then we encourage women to go to the doctor and, um, you know, and ask about it and say, I've had this, you know, I'm worried. Do I need to be concerned about ovarian cancer? Um, 
and well, you know, isn't, one thing, isn't, one aren't thing there tests done? Aren't there tests done in, usually in our you know, yearly or six month checkups when we go to the gynecologist? Mm. Isn't that why they do the the pap smear? Or is that mainly for cervical cancer? Yeah, and see, this is this is the big challenge with ovarian cancer that there is no method of early detection. The pap smear, which all women know, we all get it at our annual exams. The pap yeah, smear only detects cervical cancer. Right. So, unfortunately, with ovarian cancer, there's nothing comparable. There's nothing like a pap smear, nothing like a mammogram um, that women receive on a regular basis to screen. So, I mean, that's one of the things that researchers are working very hard on, and it's sort of the, you know, the thing that everybody wants most so that we can, can find a method of early detection. Um, would, it, would it be picked up in a sonogram? Well, one um, not necessarily. It depends. Um, I think in terms of screening, um, regular sonograms have not been shown to pick up early stage ovarian cancer reliably. It's like like fighting the boogeyman. Exactly. It really is. That's what's so scary about the disease is that the symptoms are just so vague and in the early stages, at which point it is highly treatable in the very early stages, it's very, very hard to detect. Yep. Um, a vaginal sonogram can help, but typically the tumor at that point is larger. Uh, I think that's what you know Sarah was saying. Like they may find it, but they but they may not. Right. And, and obviously, the only way to confirm a diagnosis of ovarian cancer is surgery. Right. To determine if if there are if there yeah. is a mass, whether or not it's benign or cancerous. Right. And when you say surgery, is it is it a biopsy or is it something more? It's, I mean, they can do it laparoscopically um, many times, but it's an abdominal surgery. Um, And by the time, you know, a woman has a surgery where they're actually going in and surgically looking, doctors, you know, have a pretty strong reason to suspect that that cancer is present. Um, But because surgery is the final way, as Audra said, to make an ovarian cancer diagnosis, um, you know, screening with ultrasound to sort of identify, to look at the ovaries, which, you know, sort of sometimes if if you look for something, you may find something. But then if you find something, you don't know what it is. So then do you need to have surgery? It's sort of this, um, you know, doctors and patients are in a tricky situation with ovarian cancer screening um, because I think, I think as women it's natural to say, well, just look, because if you look, you might find it. Right. Right. Um, and that's very natural, and I think it's counterintuitive to think that more screening is not always better. But when more screening could lead to more surgery, abdominal surgery, you know, right. that's a big deal. Yeah, right. it really is. I mean, we hear time and again anecdotally that women who have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer do look back and do believe that they did have symptoms, you know, and they're the symptoms we mentioned. But they, as many of us would do, are busy and lead busy lives and ignore the symptoms for a period of time until they do finally go to the doctor. That's not to say that if they had gone when they first noticed them that the outcome would be any different, but, right. you know, we do just say pay attention to your body. You know, if you think there's something wrong, go to the doctor. Get a second opinion. I mean, right. again and again we hear people use the phrase, in the community, prove to me that I don't have ovarian cancer right. um, if you think there's something really wrong. And I think that's a good adage to live by, mm-hmm. you know. And and the other thing we recommend highly is seeing a gynecologic oncologist if you suspect that you might have ovarian cancer. Right. A lot of uh, 
primary care physicians and gynecologists, and we're talking nationally, um, you know, may not have the experience with ovarian cancer because it is a rare disease. Um, right. And so they typically, especially in New York, most would recommend that you see a gynecologic oncologist. You know, in the Northeast, we're very privileged to, to have some great medical institutions. Um, but, you know, nationally, sometimes, you know, the, the resources may just not exist. And so we, we encourage women to advocate for themselves and to know what type of doctor to see. So I would have to, and, and thank you for sharing that. I think that's really important for women to know, like, where do I go? What do I do? You know, right. if I'm feeling, if I'm feeling symptoms, or you know, feel that there's something not right. So obviously, our main concern is what is being done now by your organization and other organizations out there. It would seem to me, as far as screening goes, um, to make it more commonplace and to have a readily accessible um, method. Right. And right. non-invasive. So, <laughs> non-invasive, please, and not right. Like, right. Exactly. Wouldn't it be great if there were like blood tests or right. something like that? Right. Like something. You know. There's got to be something. Exactly. Right. Inexpensive, reliable, um, and you know that's and that's what everybody wants. And, and a lot of researchers are working on that. But you know, one thing I just want to say is that um, if you talk to any ovarian cancer researcher now. Um, they will say that this is a tremendously exciting time for ovarian cancer research. And, you know, the statistics about ovarian cancer are not what we'd like them to be. Um, too many, you know, too many women are lost every year to this disease. But now is, they think, you know, the most exciting time for ovarian cancer research, that there's more money being put into, the, into researching on the disease, um, more technology that's facilitating um, progress in the disease. So I think we should all feel encouraged that, um, you know, we're not there yet. We're not where we want to be, but um, we're better positioned now <clears throat> than we've ever been to really make great strides, um, you know, in the years ahead. So <clears throat> what our researchers are working on, sort of in just, just very broad terms, um, is a little bit what we've talked about is early detection, um, and there are lots of different parts of that. There's, you know, we talked about screening. Um, um, there's also um, looking for biomarkers in the blood. You know, it would be great if we could take a blood test and look for things in your blood, proteins or certain, you know, sugar molecules, things in your blood that would indicate um, the presence of ovarian cancer. We have researchers looking at stuff like that. Um, and there's also a lot of work that needs to be done to, to help early detection, just understanding the very basic bio, you know, level of biology, where does ovarian cancer begin? Um, so we have folks looking at that. But then we also have um, researchers looking at prevention. Now, prevention for ovarian cancer is, is a little hard. It's not one of these diseases where, you know, if you just eat, eat a healthy diet and exercise, you can really prevent it. It's um, if only if it were that easy. Um, I should just mention, we do know that there are certain things that lower a woman's risk of ovarian cancer. Um, if like you what? have your ovaries and fallopian tubes removed for whatever reason. Oh, God, no. Right, no, I mean. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, lo I like my that I like as mine. a preventative measure that a woman would take strictly to prevent this disease. Unless you're at high risk. Right, but for women right. who are at high risk, who have a strong family history, and right. who are done, have you know, done creating their families, um, 
of, you know, it's, it's, it's a possibility. It's a consideration, and obviously that significantly lowers your risk. We also know wow. that um, taking oral contraceptives, birth control pills, um, having children, these things also lower your risk. But wow. obviously researchers are looking for other less drastic ways <laughs> um, to, to reduce risk and to manage risk. Um, if only if, if it were as easy as saying, everybody now meditate and send love to your ovaries. Exactly. <laughs> we would love that. That you know? would be great. Get some Reiki and you'll be fine. Well, you know, I I always look to that first. Like, is there anything that I can do just within my control of my body and doing my meditations and, you know, doing alternative therapies and going to acupuncture, you know, but, you know, people who even do that and have a healthy lifestyle still get stricken with this disease. So it's just, um, you know, it just feels like almost like in typical women fashion we're running around in circles a little bit and and not and not being able to come up with like that aha thing that's going to that's going to click but hopefully it's it's kind of right within our grasp to be able to create you know most importantly i would say an early detection system as well as giving more giving more women kind of just a little bit more knowledge of what to do. I mean, you know, with mam- with with breast with your boobs and breast cancer, it's a matter of giving yourself breast exams and just paying attention there. This is something that's like deep inside, and you know, like I said, at the core of like our womanhood, that it's, you know, it's harder from what you're saying to really get at, and that's just, you know, that's that's what's really really tricky about it. That's why um, the awareness, just awareness about the disease, yes. just for women right. to know that this disease exists, <laughs> um, right. and because a lot of women and we, don't talk about it. And but also when you're when you're talking, you know, like over tea, when you're going out and meeting your your girlfriends for tea and coffee, and people are and they're starting to talk about what's going on with their bodies, you know, it's something to have in your back or your hands, head, and thinking of, but but not necessarily to scare them, but saying, huh, you might want to see, you know, a gynecologist, oncologist. Right, right, exactly. And to know your family history, because if you have a family history of breast or ovarian cancer, you know, it's something that you should keep in mind. Right. I would also say for for women to be more open about talking about those things. You know, I know I know women and women you know, in a line of a family, they don't want to talk about going to the gynecologist. They don't want to talk about their breasts. They don't want to talk about their ovaries. It's like a sensitive thing, and we kind of have to just get past that. It's you know, it's just another body part, like your arm or your leg. Like if your leg hurts, you don't have a problem saying, oh, my knee hurts, I banged it. <laughs> you know? But when it right, comes exactly. to right. sexual, sexual issues, we get like prudish about it, and we really can't afford to be prudish about something like this. Absolutely right. Can you talk to me a little bit more about, because we're running out of time, but a little bit more about your Mother's Day campaign? I mean, the, the awareness campaign through the through the tea party was so, so wonderful, and like I said, created such a memorable day for my daughter and I, and thank you guys so much for, for the invitation to participate in it. Like, my Casey just talks about it just all the time, like, are we going for tea today? <laughs> and for me, again, just having that, that glimmer of hope that there's an organization like the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund, which everybody can be can be found at www.ocrf.com. Org um, out there working diligently just just on this one disease is just so inspiring and hopeful for me as a woman first and second as a mom. Absolutely. So I'd love to hear more about the Mother's Day campaign. 
Yeah, well, I'm happy to, yes, and thank you for coming that day. I mean, it was a lovely day. Electrolux is amazing, and they've been a wonderful sponsor to us. Kelly Ripa has been associated with the organization for many years, and Electro we were just able to work out this wonderful, obviously, collaboration between all of us, and they've been so generous. So we say special thanks to them. And I would encourage you all, if you visit the OCRF website, you can access the Kelly Confidential site through there, and you can build your own tea party outfit, which is a virtual tea party outfit. And every time you do that, it's one dollar to OCRF in the campaign that Electrolux has done for us. So we're very grateful to them, and as well as liking us on our Facebook page, you can access it through there. So we would love it if right. you would do that. Um, we do have a special Mother's Day campaign. Basically, these are really painless ways that you can support OCRF and ovarian cancer research during the month of May. Um, you can go to whattowearwear.com, and for the entire month of May, this really cool website is going to donate a dollar for every person who signs up for their newsletter. Um, it's a really interesting site about clothing, obviously. Pinkberry in New York City is going to donate 20% of sales to us um, in, at their New York City locations on Mother's Day if you take our coupon that will be available on our website. In So if you're eating frozen yogurt on Mother's Day, please please make sure you print out that coupon. Uh, we oh, have make, a, make a point to go and get some yogurt, definitely. Yeah, yes. please. And, and just take the coupon with you. It, um, just make sure that we get our 20%, which will be lovely. And we're doing a, a promotion on these very adorable, uh, their necklaces, and they're, it's actually made by a group called Mojo. Hello. Oh man, I think we lost our our guest. But um, I just wanted to continue to add into the space just how wonderful this has been to hear more about the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund and the work that they are doing. I recommend for everybody to take some time and go on the website to further learn about it. And website for the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund is www.ocrs.com, and they are also on Facebook. So take your time, get involved, learn a little bit more about this disease, and hopefully none of us will have to actually face it in our lives um, or in the lives of our daughter, and we will be able to continue to enjoy the moments that we have together, enjoy the sips of life that we have with, with our loved ones, make time to make it count. One of the things I talk about in the blog this week is how to make it count with your, with your, with your daughter if you so get an invitation like the one I received from the Ovarian Cancer Research fun and Electrolux. And again, I'm so very grateful to our guests, Audra Morin and Sarah DeFeo for joining us today on the Mama's Pearls radio show. We are going to continue discussing and exploring um, and exploring the world of of cancer. Um, you know, unfortunately, it is such a large topic and we do have... Um, we do have a lot to talk about and a lot of advancements to be made in the area. Um, we will talk about women and diet and exercise and how that all can help in, pre in prevention for other types of cancers as well. So, again, my, my sincerest thanks to the Ovarian Cancer Research Fund for being with us here today on the Mama's Pearls radio show. Again, you can find any of the past um, 
show's segments, including our talk with Pauline Esposito, which was last week, on www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. You just need to scroll through the archives. And the uh, the Mama's Pearls blog, again, can be found at www.mamaspearls.com. And you can email me with any questions, and if you want to to get in touch with our guests, I'm at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com. And again, this is Cynthia Mamas Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children and your family, say I love you, and remember to take deliciously long sips of life. Enjoy, everyone. Have a great week, and we will be back next week. You guys, you guys oh, we, we don't know what happened. We were, ta- we were talking away, and we could still hear you, but you couldn't hear us. So that's why we didn't call back in, because we were still on. So sorry yeah, about that. But now, but, but now we're actually still on the line. So if there was anything you did want to fill into the space for the next minute, go okay. right ahead. Oh, great. Well, should I just finish? I'd like to just do the Mother's Day promotion, yeah. if that's okay. We had sure, a few other ahead. wonderful things. Um, we have a great company called California Blooms, and if you send a bouquet, they will give us a portion of those proceeds. They're online at californiablooms.com. Beautiful roses, uh, organic roses, actually. Um, also, we're doing a campaign where we just ask people to tell us about their mom and why she's so wonderful, um, and that's just on our that's Facebook it. page or our website, and we're asking people to submit just a brief story or a poem or anything that would tell us why your mom's so special. That was the one that I saw that I just loved. I was like, oh, okay. yeah, we're so excited to do that. We're going to feature different every day. So each day we'll do that from now until Mother's Day. Um, and then beautiful. we have several other promotional things, just different. If you go to um, Oxley's Carvery, which is a, a, a restaurant down in the uh, Chelsea area, it's wonderful, and they're going to be doing a promotion the entire month of May. They have great sandwiches. So if anybody's in the area. Uh, we have Live Love Skin, which is a wonderful skincare line. It was actually developed originally uh, for women who had undergone chemotherapy because their skin gets very dry. So it's actually a very high-end line, but that's how it's by several doctors who are gynecologic oncologists themselves in conjunction with some people who make those kinds of things. So we're excited to have a portion of the proceeds from them. So all of these other um, items you can find on our website. Uh, we'll have our promotion up very soon, and we would just encourage people to go visit at www.ocrf.org. Awesome. All right, good. I'm glad we got that in there. That was just um, a very beautiful hour, even though I know for a lot of people it brings up a lot of darkness and a lot of sadness, but there are glimmers of hope out there, and these two these two beautiful women are working day and night to to help us um to help us women with this disease. So, thank you again so much for being here and I look forward to just keeping updated about the advancements that you guys are making. So, please do check back with us and keep us informed. We absolutely will. And thank you so much Cynthia for doing thank what you, you do. Yeah. Thank you, and I'm going to play my music again. <laughs> have a great, have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you.